0: Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Well, my guest today is a good friend and mentor and an amazing uh, person who I've known for about 10 years. I am privileged to journey with him because there's so much wisdom, so much knowledge in this man. And he's always uh, had a very balanced view of life. He's a medical doctor and he's uh, training others to become doctors, but more so he's a kingdom warrior. It is my absolute pleasure to bring you here at Kingdom Stories from Down Under, Dr. Kevin Mincer. Welcome to the show.
1: How are you doing, Nathaniel?
0: I'm well. I will call you Kevin if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I, well, yeah, by the way, I'm a dentist, not a doctor. <laughs> well, oh, well, dentists are doctors, Doctor in like... dentistry rather than a doctor of
0: medicine. <laughs> doctor in dentistry. Uh, wow, what an amazing journey you've had. Uh, I don't even know where
1: to begin. Do you know where to begin? Well... In Country um, WA. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I was born in um, um, Port Hedland. Port Hedland. Uh, my father ran a cattle station. Um, about uh, 30, 40 kilometres inland from Wim Creek, which mm. is a very famous um, tin-clad hotel in the, in the north of West Australia. And, uh, yeah, we lived there for first seven years of my life. Any uh, memories? Uh, very few. Um, more like the pattern on the kitchen floor rather than anything else. What um, were you doing
0: on the floor that much?
1: It's crawling around, It was in the early days, <laughs> uh, but it uh, was—I um, uh, I remember it as being very hot, of um, and I remember the spin effects being very spiky. Mm. And we then uh, shifted uh, down in, down to Mingenew, uh, which is uh, about uh, what three hundred and fifty kilometres north of here, four hundred kilometres north of here, and I um, on further, the cattle station. Uh, yes, he was, my dad was um, was working for the same company actually and he was, uh, his children, my sister in particular, had got to the point where she needed primary school yep. and my mother being a primary school teacher was pretty hot on the fact that we had to have an education. Of course. So um, we shifted down to what was, what still is called Urala Station which is about, um, I think about eighteen kilometres north of, of up on the Mullawar Road. Um, we spent some time there, and then he and then my dad used to manage a pretty big property uh, just north of the place called Nangkari on the Mingenew Mullawar Road. Road. Uh, we used to uh, run a lot of sheep there. be sure, I think fifty-five thousand sheep in the in the last year we were there, which is quite a quite a swag of sheep. On on a horse or on a <laughs> A chopper? Uh, no, we, we mostly horses. Horses. Yeah. Wow. Uh, some of it was
0: pretty rough country and um... fenced. Not much fenced.
1: Uh, no, it was it was agricultural land, so it was all fenced. Okay. Um, in fact, in the end, my father was running it quite uh, intensively, hmm. uh, so it was well fenced up. About thirty odd thousand acres in the end. Hmm. Was he born here?
0: your dad or Did he yep. come from England? Yeah,
1: no, he's born in uh, Northampton. Okay.
0: And he, have a, he had a, a passion for the land. He, he loved the outback. Yeah, well, he, uh, he was born in the Goldfields, and um, in those days, you know, some of those Goldfields towns were extremely big. Yes, and Norseman, in
1: fact, was a very big town. Mm-hmm. Uh, his father um, used to run a station near Kalgoorlie somewhere. So uh, that's my early part of my life. And, um, and was there a school where you went, or they picked you up? Um, there was a school at Mingenew and uh, there was a school bus that used to take us into town each day. And um, then when I was uh, 12, going on 13, I went off to boarding school. So I, I shifted to Perth you came and to boarded to here. Yeah. Guildford
0: Grammar? Guildford no, I went to Hale School. Yeah. Wow. Was that common for
1: boys yeah. from the um, Yeah, it was. Uh, there were high schools uh, in Geraldton. Yeah. And there was a junior high school, I think, um, at Karnamar, I'm not sure, but the rest finished at primary school. Yeah. And if you wanted to do any, uh, anything and stay at the primary school, the local headmaster would um, uh, supervise you to do correspondence mm. and, so, and sometimes school of the year. So he would just help out and you'd sit at the back of the classroom and do your own work. But my parents, uh, like most people, booked their sons into the boys boarding school and the daughters into a girls
0: boarding school and that was that. Was that just as expensive as it is today, proportionate wise or not really? Relatively, uh,
1: I think it was probably a little cheaper. Yeah. Because everybody did it. Uh, the facilities weren't anything like as good as they were now. Of and neither were teachers salaries, I suspect. <laughs> but, you know, I had the best of what,
0: um, my parents could
1: find.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, health school would have been the top, one of the best in the state. So they really valued education. Yep. Do you think growing up on a farm, like, uh, in, in that free space, is uh, wonderful for a child? I found it so,
1: although I didn't have much to compare it with. Um, I, I think you develop a, a, a rapport with nature. Mm. And uh, in doing that, you get a fairly solid grounding on what life's about, really, you know. Life isn't always easy. Yeah.
0: But also the fact that you don't have rush hour, you don't have to rush anywhere, there's no pressure, there's a lot of outdoor play time. Oh, yeah, that's true.
1: Um, It's a, a relatively relaxed life, although my father was a you know, he was a workaholic in terms of what he actually did, but we didn't have to meet um, too many deadlines.
0: Yeah. And. Um, no, I'm just uh, thinking of the pressure the kids have here in the city, you know, uh, piano no. lessons, music Absol- lessons, serving. Uh, absolutely nothing. Here, we're late for school. We're late for this.
1: We're late for that, you know. No, absolutely nothing. We were picked up by a school bus. and If you're late for the school bus, you don't get it. Horn, you know. But that was he was the only vehicle on the road to, yeah. between our place, which was 25, 30 kilometres out of town and uh, and you. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty relaxed. Yeah. Uh, I think in the mind,
0: uh, you know, the children who grow up in the country are so much more relaxed. I, taking... I
1: think that's true. I think it's still true. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on young people now and, uh, you know, I, I noticed that um, amongst my peers, their children were pressured to do well at school yeah. right from a very early age. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting listening to the stories of some of those, uh, of some of my uh, colleagues, I guess. Yeah. Of what they were expected to achieve. Uh like from their parents. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, it, it was never expected to me, so I think I had a pretty healthy balanced. So when you came
0: to Perth, you were pretty much on your own older brother? And no, with I had have,
1: have two sisters, one younger, one older.
0: Were they in boarding school in yes. town? Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, so you had to make friends, really?
1: Yep. We were all thrown together, and
0: they, they came from all over the state. Yeah. So So you would have been about 12, 13?
1: I was 12, uh, 11 when I came to boarding school, yeah. Is then, that a bit uh, of a passage into manhood? Uh, well, I never looked at it like that, but I suppose looking back, it is a bit because you're on your own. You don't, uh, you don't have anyone making life easy for you. <laughs> uh, if there's a bully, you've got to deal with him. <laughs> yeah. So. Um,
0: How many were in the room?
1: Were the dorms or uh, the dormitories? Were uh, um, there was eighteen, I think. Eighteen in the dormitory in each boarding house. So yeah. there were four, four dormitories. So there were uh, 72 in a boarding house and uh, a prefect in each room and and, uh, prefects actually did a lot of the work in those days, bringing up, you know, guiding you.
0: And it was a
1: Christian school? Yes, it was. Um, Hale School, uh, I'm not sure of its situation at the moment, but it was established um, by the Anglican Church, by Bishop Matthew Blagden Hale um in 1858 Mm. so uh it was established as a christian school there were were no boys schools here at that time and he being a bit of a scholar uh he started the school and uh, it was originally at the cloisters in st george's terrace Mm -hmm. um it for a while became independent and then i believe it rejoined the Anglican church again when i went there um a guy called uh, John Prince was the headmaster, and uh, he was a very solid Christian man and very, you know, he instilled a great Christian ethic into us. So, you had services, a devotion?
0: Yep. Or a chapel, uh, or whatever it was called? We had uh, we had a our chapel for the first two years of the new
1: school, was uh, um, about. Um, yeah, for about four years, I think, it was held, was held in, the, in the school hall. Wow. And um, then uh, we would have, uh, and, and communion was also held in there, but we would assemble as a school each morning. Uh, Great. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And then on
0: Sundays, what would you
1: do? Uh, they would have a uh, board of service where uh, there were two or three boarding houses there, two initially. Uh, so there was 140 nearly 200 boarders at times, and we all, before we went out on leave or uh, out back to our parents, if that's where we were going, uh, we would have to go to church.
0: And how often would you go home?
1: Uh, I went home at the end of each term, so every 13 or 14 weeks. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. Then spend a
0: couple of weeks and back here? Yep. Yep. Would you be picked up or bussed down?
1: Uh, We bussed. Uh, the ones in the far north used to take those old, old uh, TC3 aircraft. Systems. <laughs> but most yes. of the rest of us were either picked up or, or we were. Uh, were you playing passed. any sports? <clears throat> I played a lot of sport. Um, we had a good range. I used to row in the in the summer. Yeah, on, and, the, river? Mm-hmm. on, uh, on the river, or on the river. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, I played rugby in the in the winter season. Yeah. Uh, because I had a falling out with the under third hand coach at football. <laughs> he dropped me from the A team, so I said, Oh, well, I think I will go and play rugby, thank you.
0: <laughs> so you I liked that and yeah. I enjoyed it. yeah.
1: Girls? <clears throat> uh, girls, we got to see, I think, a couple of times a year. They were strange creatures that we came across occasionally. Although I must say, in the first couple of years that I was at High School, we were at West Perth. At uh, the Havelock Street site, which is uh, alongside the old observatory. Yeah. And two streets away was Collins Street, where St Mary's was. Okay. So for the first two years, we used to go to chapel. With them? uh, With them at their church in Collins Street, number 40 Collins Street, which I think is still there. Yeah. Nice. And
0: then when you finished uh, school, high school? Uh, I went
1: uh, I went back to the land not really knowing what I was going to do, so I went back to the land and I became uh, an overseer on a, a sheep and cattle property mm-hmm. at quite a young age and then my mother and my father and myself um, um, obtained some land and carved out a farm. So that was about it, but when I was about 23, I guess... Um, I sort of felt I should do something else. So yeah. I went off to technical school and reset my matriculation because <coughs> the matriculation standards had changed yeah. in the time and um, and enrolled at university. Mm-hmm.
0: Were you married or not yet? No, I wasn't. Um, and uh, So where did the, uh, your parents buy the farm or where did they get it?
1: A... There was a, a scheme called the Conditional Purchase Scheme in, in Western Australia under the then Premier Sir David Brand and his aim was to open 1 million acres a year mm-hmm. for 10 years which he did. And they were split up into all sorts of sizes. Yeah, uh, And uh, you would put in uh, it was not a lot but it was a sort of a lotto and once I got down to a short list, they would interview you and you were then given the opportunity to buy uncleared land uh, at a price over a given period of time. For the purpose of farming. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there were conditions on it that you had to clear so much uh, every year uh, until it was half cleared, I think. Yeah. And once it was half cleared, you could then freehold it up till then it was leasehold. <clears throat> But it was uh, a good way to, you know, get a start in life. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly learned a lot uh, living out of the, in the bush clearing land.
0: <laughs> tough, tough work. So you came back to Perth and you did, um, you enrolled into uni? Yeah. Into... I, I graduated in
1: dentistry. Mm-hmm. And... Um, At UWA? I, UWA, yeah, that's always been the only dental school in West Australia. And I... Um, Uh, I practised in my own practice for a couple of years, worked for the government for a while. And then my father became unwell and um, we had to make a decision about what we would do with the the land. So I decided to sell my practice and went back to it. But uh, I'd been back, I think, eight or nine years and um, um, I then uh, got a, a bit of a call into politics. I was approached to... Sort of uh, put my name forward, and uh, so long story short, in 1989 I became the member for Grenfell in the state parliament.
0: Mm-hmm. So the, you won the
1: election? Yes, yeah uh, It was a good. Yeah, it was actually quite a. Uh, Which area is that? The electorate was Grenfell, and it's now changed its name. I think it's called electorate the electorate of Grenfell, Geraldton Grenfell, or something. Mm-hmm. But I had it. So it's of east a, of Geraldton, wasn't it? <coughs> east, or north uh, east, yeah, east, east, yeah, east, southeast. But I was sort of <coughs> sorry about this. It's fine. Um, I had a bit of a strange experience. I um, I was uh, wandering across the paddock one day, and uh, I sort of had a a vision of somewhere, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. As I know. Now, I was actually at the Parliament, the State Parliament. Yep. And so, anyway, uh, not long after that, I was approached and these, these, the people who talked to me said, well, you know, it's mostly a farming electorate, but yep. there's now about a quarter of the electorate that lives around Geraldton City. Yep. And we are after someone who knows a little bit about city life but who also knows the pains of farming. So I, I put my own food and... Um, Yeah, it was all a pretty rapid process, frankly. The Liberal um, Party? It was for the Liberal Party, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But what is uh, interesting, and I didn't mention, Natalia, was was that during 1980, early 1988, I was reading uh, a lot of Chuck Coulson's works. Um, People may be familiar with him. But Charles uh, was the fall guy for Watergate. Uh, right. for Richard Dixon, and went to jail for that. But he wrote several books. One of them was uh, Born, Free. Uh, Born Free, Born Free, Born Again was the, was the book. Still, I don't know, it's still in print, but plenty of copies around, but well yeah. well worth reading. Yeah. Anyway, in it he um, describes how a group of people used to have um, meat for breakfast and prayer in the basement of the concrete building. Yeah. Uh, some people sometimes interpret that as the White House. It wasn't the White House, definitely just the Congress building. Yes. But there were Senators and House of Representatives people there. Yes. And uh, this was at two, 2 o'clock in the morning I had this sort of... I was reading. And I thought to myself, we've got to have this. Yeah, we need this, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I got to Parliament, I looked around and there wasn't a, right. a prayer group. Yeah. So... Um, a friend of mine who came and went on to become uh, Attorney General, Cheryl Edwards, and I talked about it. Um, Cheryl had a bit to do with it because she passed it over to me because she knew that I had connected with John McElroy. Mm -hmm. And uh, John McElroy and I called a breakfast um, in Parliament House. Yes. um, right, Right at the top of Parliament House, isn't it? couple of little rooms. Yeah. And uh, so we called the group the upper room. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, it went along pretty well. I mean, the the whole idea was that everyone, anyone for any party could join. Sure. And we did have a couple of members of the Labor Party along. Uh, We had some Greens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, some National Parties, not Greens. They weren't there then. Um, and but mostly Liberal Party members and we would yep. meet um, once a week when Parliament was sitting. Yes. Um, but to go on from there, if you want me to go on to the yeah. story of the of Gov- the, the Governor's pre Breakfast. We can. Uh, um, where's
0: Marge in all this first?
1: Uh, Marge, we had four kids so Marge was pretty busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where, where did it all begin?
1: Uh, well, Marge and I were married
0: at university. And, uh, so you were studying. Like, you met and, her here in Perth.
1: Yeah.
0: What well, yeah. was she studying? Was she in as well? Yeah, she was uh, finish, finishing off a teaching degree.
1: Okay. Which is just as well because she's poor as for the first years.
0: Yeah. And uh, were well, you by then? I mean, have you had a conversion moment? Uh, were you no. walking with God at the time, or?
1: Yes. Uh, n- it's a little difficult to explain, but um, my mother was uh, a strong Catholic Christian. Yeah. And my father was, uh, um, was a Christian, not an overt, um, you know, sort of um, fire and brimstone man, but he was always a Christian. And so I was always brought up in a Christian house. Yeah. Uh, and like all good Anglicans, we went to church at least twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Um, but I can't remember a time when I wasn't conscious of the fact that, uh, the world didn't just happen. Yeah. In my view. Yeah. Now, I know there's probably 90% of the world's population disagree with me now, but (laughs) that's their funeral, not mine. That's right. And, um, my advice to them is to get hold of the Bible and start reading it. (laughs) That's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, Marg uh, and I married in uh, 74, 75, yeah. 75, I think. Better be careful with that, I'll be in trouble. Um, <laughs> and um, Marg continued to live uh, in Geraldton. Yes. And I flew up and down to Parliament mm-hmm. until uh, we came into government and I was made a minister and then we, we bought a okay. house in Florian where we still live. Yeah. And Marg and the kids shifted down there. Because at that stage, my two daughters were at boarding school and um, my two sons were at primary school in Geraldton. Yeah. And we um, uh, we thought, and, and Mark was there and I was here for yeah. five days of the week. Yeah. We thought that was a pretty silly way to live, frankly. So um, we moved to Perth. And uh, anyway, the first uh, prayer breakfast that we held in Parliament House um, there was a headline and an article on the inside cover and it was, uh, I was referred to as, uh, Minson's monks. Minson's the group monks. Was referred to as Winston's monks. Yeah. And, um, personally I was referred to Kevin down on your knees, Winston in this <laughs> article, but it was a nice. fairly sizable one. And, um, did you keep a copy? I think, I think mark has got a copy somewhere. Good. You can have it if you wish to. <laughs> um, So uh, we, um, where am I going with that? Yeah, we. uh,
0: The prayer breakfast.
1: Oh, yes. From that article, people read it, including my old headmaster.
0: Yeah.
1: And he rang me up and he said, doing a good job, (laughs) Vincent. I can say that now because he died a few months ago. Um, Lovely guy, 99 years of age. Wow. But there um, there was a group in Perth City. Yeah. Um, called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship yeah. International and the, the city chapter was chaired at the time, I think, by a guy called John Stapleton. Mm-hmm. And there were quite a few well-known Christian identities belonged to that chapter. For some yeah. reason, they seemed mostly to be uh, engineers. Mm. I don't know why, but but they did. Anyway, they rang me and said, look, we think it would be a good idea if we had a, a premier Prayer breakfast. Um, my vision was never for that, Yeah. but I thought, well, more By than area. Yeah. So we tried that, but we didn't make as much headway as we thought, so we we ended up just calling it um, the Parliamentary Prayer Breakfast. Yes. And then a, a, a former Methodist minister, uh, his name's Ian Hook, uh, still around, I think, Ian had the idea... Placed on his heart that it should be the governor's pre-breakfast. So Ian and John Stapleton, myself, and a couple of other people made an appointment with the then lieutenant governor, who was standing in, yes. uh, Sir Francis Burton, mm-hmm. and um, he was actually the chief justice as well, and, and could be quite and <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we we it um, up. And we uh, asked for his patronage yes and he was very gracious about that and yep. he prayed with us wow. and so he was the um, the first patron if you like yes uh, the, and gave it its name for the governor's pre he let us use the crown yeah and uh, it it, uh, uh, it was successful to the extent that it happened yeah but I think uh, we had 27 people at the first breakfast, but we had big ideas. Yeah. We, we hired a venue that, that held about 500. <laughs> and we held a little, we also hired a little anteroom room to the side to prepare. Um, anyway. That's, that's into, what it ended up being. Yeah, and, and it very quickly became clear that it was going to be not quite 500 people. Yeah. So we had 27 in the anteroom. room Yeah. And it is actually pretty successful. But what was interesting was for every year thereafter, for some time, we doubled in number. Yes. So it went from, um, I think, 27 to uh, 55, 60, something like that, to 128, to 256, to 5. And the year, I think it was the year Charlie Duke spoke, the astronaut. Yeah. I think it got to 500 and something. Wow. Thereabouts. Yes. Um, and it just seemed to get a life of its own. So Every year, good. August, September. Yep, something like that. But, you know, to be honest with you, I've no idea what I had in my mind when I started. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we just celebrated the 30th year. Yeah, well, last you year. know, in, in Australia, we tend to be reticent about our Christianity. Yeah. In general. And what reading this Chuck Colson book did for me was realise that uh, in other countries and particularly in the States, they're quite up front. Yeah. And, you know, there'll be breakfasts in large venues every day of the week with four-star generals and and whatnot and and state governors and it's there, not only fashionable, but expected, that people will stand up and be counted. Yes, We had no such thing here. Mm. And it felt to me like a good thing that we give uh, everyone that wants to yes. a place to hang their hat and say, you know, I'm not ashamed. That's
0: right. This is beautiful. Because uh, last week when we had the Governor's Prayer breakfast here, 30th year, wasn't it? 30th yep. year anniversary. 30 um, years. I think we had 1200. 30 years. Yeah, yeah 1300 people I think there were. Something like that, yeah. <clears throat> um, on Friday. There was but, no more room anyway. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean Let's... across across all the spectrum of, you know, yeah. doctrines and uh, beliefs, Christian beliefs. That is to, I think it's the biggest event uh, across ah. across um, uh, you know, churches event yeah. in the city. It very it very well might
1: be the biggest event Christian event I I wasn't after size, I was after quality. And uh, still is, quality is still there. Yeah. I mean, we had, um, we've had some exceptional speakers. Yeah. Uh, and the one that we had a couple of weeks ago, Graham Mabry, was just <laughs> phenomenal. Disappearable.
0: Uh, yeah, and Nico Hauser the gentleman that took over the chairman role. Well, I know Nico very well. He's been on the show here, but it's just, he's the right man for it. Yeah.
1: into yeah, season. I... I mean, what I was particularly keen on is that no one could claim, yeah. the governor's pre-breakfast. You know, I didn't want anybody to be able to stand Any up and church say, ministry or yeah, anything and like that. Say, I did this. You know, yeah. so I tried to keep it pretty plain and simple. Yeah. When I left the parliament, I I left the organisation. Yes. Um, I quite. How long were
0: you are know, we I, in
1: parliament? Two
0: two mandates or
1: one. Uh, no, I was in for three, Three years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was So you a, couldn't practice, could you work during that time or you was... Uh, being a member of Parliament's work enough. That's... Particularly it. a country member, yeah.
0: And then you went back into dentistry? Uh, no, I went back
1: farming actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I was farming for quite some time. So you moved back, you moved the family yeah. back, kept the house in the yep. city? Yeah.
0: The kids have grown up by now? Yep. They're in uni or doing yeah. their own bits and pieces.
1: Well, we did. We did uh, move back, and then after I uh, left Parliament, I actually sold the, the house, and the, uh, the farm at Minganyu and I bought some land in New North where we mostly ran cattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a good life. And um, then I had uh, kidney failure, and I had to make a decision about what I'd do. So. We sold up there. One of my sons is a dentist, the other one's um, about three parts away through a medical degree. Yes. Um, And um, I retired, in inverted commas. Um, And I went back to dentistry. I worked for the government for a while. I did a little bit of private practice um, just on a help out basis. And for the last, probably seven or eight years, I've been teaching dentistry at uh, the Oral Health Centre of Western Australia. Wonderful. Just, um, you know, as a clinical demonstrator, I don't, I don't lecture. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that um, academically advanced that they'd have me as a lecturer, mm. but, you know, in the practical sense, it's good to be able to pass on your skills. Sure. And to help out. Yeah.
0: Now, you've gone through a couple of massive ch- chapters in your life.
1: Uh, let's talk about the kidney failure. Well, it really was picked up when I was doing a pilot's license because I had an electric that was about fifty or 60,000 square kilometres. Um, the only sensible way to get around it was to fly. There were 12 shires involved. And um, I fronted up for a pilot's license in 1986. Just a private license <coughs> for yep. one person? Yeah, uh, well, I can fly four, six people. Any, anything that will fit in the aeroplane as long as yeah. I'm licensed to fly the aeroplane. Oh, I hear you. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, uh, that was a good part of my life. But when I went for the medical, they found uh, a, high, a high dose of protein urea. So I went to a specialist and it uh, um, yeah, went along and, and, you know, they monitored it and they treated it and they did all sorts of things. Uh, but inevitably, um, uh, it failed, or they failed, both of them together. Uh, that was 2015. Yeah. So they kept it going for a long time, kept yep. the kidneys going for a yep. long time. With yep. medic-
0: medicine? Yeah. And just monitoring? Yep. And then you had to have a transplant? Yep, I had a transplant. and uh, Now, that would have been a journey and a half as well.
1: Well, it was, but... Um,
0: well, the that had to
1: line up for this well mine a little bit it's not unique now it's actually fairly commonplace, but my kidney uh was a, from a live donor mm-hmm. uh, and my wife ma uh, wanted to donate to me yeah against my better advice but nevertheless she wanted to but she wasn't <clears throat> at that time they didn't have the technology to make it compatible, to make it compatible. So she donated into a chain. Yeah. And that chain operated all over Australia. <clears throat> and once uh, every three months, they would, they would do all the tissue typing and so on, and they would uh, feed it into a computer, and the computer would come up with matches. Yes. So I had a kidney from Melbourne, and Marg gave, a- gave a kidney into the chain, and it went, we believe, to Melbourne or maybe to Adelaide. <clears throat> but um, it was phenomenally successful. <laughs> <coughs> and um, Both for I, you and for Mark? Uh, yeah, Mark's no, had no ill effects from it, but yeah. she suffered more pain from the donation than I did from receiving. Mm. But the technology is phenomenal and the medical personnel are incredible. Yeah. And um, I think from memory is that the, once they connected this thing up, it was taken out of somebody at at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, Melbourne time. Yep. It was put in me at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, <coughs> our time. Wow. And it started to pass you on in three seconds. It's extraordinary. <laughs>
0: amazing, eh?
1: Yeah, that was um, yeah, pretty special. Yeah. Life. Life-giving. And uh, yeah. interestingly enough, my... Um, my kidney results are better than they have ever been. <laughs> so. Your body <coughs> assimilated. That? Your body just ran with it. Well, I still take a lot of anti-rejection medication, which has all sorts of weird effects, <coughs> including a hoarse voice. But
0: yeah, uh, it,
1: it works extremely well. Yeah. Uh, it kept extremely, you going. Extremely um, blessed by it. Yeah. Yeah. It is a miracle though with all the medical science well sometimes you can pray for a miracle and you know the sort of miracle i would have prayed for is that because i had the results going back 30 years i wanted to be able to stand in front of a church and say this happened to me and now i've got new kidneys and they just regenerated but it didn't work that way it was through medical assistance. yeah it but it's a still, miracle nevertheless still least. a miracle it's, uh, you know, God used these people, given the intelligence. Yeah. Um, and they've done the hard yards. Mm. And now it's...
0: Um, what was your prayer oh, during that time, before you
1: went in? Uh, look, I <laughs> I just uh, remember praying that it would would work and that it would, no, it would be okay. The concern was there for her as well. She could have. Failure as well. Well, you know, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah,
0: the, you, you both know. go down under yeah. anesthetic, general anesthetic. And uh, human
1: beings have, well, most human beings have uh, two and they only need one, you know. Yeah, uh, and we have two kidneys, but we really only need one. Yeah, so I've got one, and Mark's got one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they both work fine at this stage. But you don't know what will happen, you know, some sort of infection or breakdown or whatever it might be. Uh, it could lead to kidney failure in me and or mug. Yeah. Um, that would be... So both in oral. recovery
0: and, and later on in life. Yeah, yeah. But the recovery had to be very... I mean, you had to be so careful with everything.
1: Yeah, the first, the first few weeks are, are the danger time, the first... Two weeks probably, and yeah. then I mean, you are pumped full of every sort of anti-rejection drug you can think of. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the donor tends to be, um, you know, minced meat. They've given their kidney, and they say thank you very much and out the door. Yeah. <laughs> but the recipient gets pretty, uh, pretty Rolls Royce treatment for yeah. quite a long time. And um, I had a great team. The, the, the renal team at uh, Charles Garden were fantastic.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. You also had a difficult chapter with uh, your daughter in America.
1: Yeah, um, my oldest daughter was, uh, uh, she had a a couple of ailments but um, they're not really relevant but uh, she uh, um, had a massive uh, brain hemorrhage a couple of years ago and, and unfortunately died. So... You know, for someone who was so well liked and so respected, that was difficult. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. But she, uh, she went to teach in Columbia at the English International School. And she married a guy from America, and um, they were very happy. But in the in the decades she lived in overseas, um, lots of good things happened to her. Yeah. And um, in um, when she did die, I think uh, four hundred and something people if funeral.
0: that. When you are
1: in a foreign country
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> people all over the world <laughs> so that was difficult <laughs> yeah. when you've um yeah. you know you put all that love into someone and that happens at the age of 42 it's difficult yeah. and her husband still hasn't got over it. um yeah lovely man What you flew
0: you went there when she was still um, I, she was I probably didn't. brain dead. All the family went, but I didn't go.
1: Uh, I didn't go because, um, uh, you know, I was With pretty immunosuppressed. Yeah. And sitting in one of those aircraft for 14 hours is not the
0: recipe. Plus all the before and after.
1: Yeah. Um, but she, uh, you know, she spread... So much goodwill. Mm. The result of a Christian upbringing. Yeah.
0: How's your Christian walk at the moment, Kevin?
1: Uh, pretty good, actually. I, I'm sort of on the verge of just not bothering to think too much about work at all. I only work six hours a week. But I am 75, so I guess I can expect to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, my Christian walk is good. Um, Marg and I um, have our time of, uh, of prayer each morning, and um, i I don't have any uh, regrets or doubts about the fact that I believe. Yes, I have no regrets about uh, what I tried to achieve. Mm. Uh, the interesting thing is that I really was not terribly interested in politics and still still am not um, <clears throat> you know um, <laughs> well, it's true uh, uh, I might as well be upfront about that so I, um, I I'm I'm content um, I don't want to be as old as I am or falling apart quite this quick but there you go
0: yeah
1: uh, I know that the Lord is there he's um, he's got uh, He's got the world under control and um, one has to uh, live in faith that when one's time comes that you cross over to the right place. Yeah. Well, you're assured of that, aren't (laughs) you?
0: What's the Lord saying to you these days? Has he surprised you recently with any... Uh, Look,
1: nothing in particular except that I get the impression he's letting Australia go to a certain extent. know, Australia is rejecting religion in general. Yeah. Um, certainly the religion of Islam is um, getting pushed by Islam itself yeah. here in, in Australia. Um, I read some figures the other day about um, Hindus uh, uh, and various other religions. Um, unfortunately, our press here, our media, are very anti-Christian and they, you know, I mean, uh, how could you have a gathering of 1,300 Christian people at the Governor's Prayer Breakfast and it doesn't write one line in the newspaper? Yeah. Uh, To me, that's sad. Yeah. I think think the Lord is letting Australia hang itself, Mm. but I'm hopeful that enough Australians will see the light in the end. Because if they don't, uh, I think we'll probably come to an unfortunate end. Yeah. Uh, We we live in the best country in the world. Oh, by far. uh, And you probably more than anyone know that. Uh, You know, I've been to a lot of places in the world. Mm. And um, I've never found anywhere as free as here. Yeah. You know, I hear people complaining all the time about the government this and the government that. (laughs) And if only they knew how good our government system was, whether it's run by Liberal, Labor or something else, it's fantastic. If you don't like them, you can vote them out. And we managed to do it without killing each other, which is quite an achievement, you know. Um, In the Western world, England does it, but they've got to have pretty big security. In Western Australia, we don't have anything much of a problem. I had security installed in my house. Yep. By the government when yep. I was a minister. Um, and occasionally, when things were a little bit rough, you'd see a strange white car down the street, um, you know, looking out. Case. But that's the only security I ever had. Yeah. Um, some people used to chain uh, themselves to the front door of the office and all that sort of nonsense, but um, it, that's all just for show. Uh, we basically have a free society and if you don't like it you can voice it then you won't go to jail yeah you know what happens in <clears throat> soviet countries what happens in russia now uh, what happens in well i better not mention too much too many countries had i <laughs> uh, and what happens to the people who buck the government i mean yeah. i think it's such a shame if people would only embrace yeah uh, what other people thought and what other people had to say i think it would be a better world
0: yeah, there's not enough gratitude there's not enough uh, i think there's too much ignorance people don't realize you know they don't read enough they don't you know study enough they don't gather enough evidence to see yeah. how everything stacks for them not against them
1: yeah oh <laughs> australia is truly blessed you know and uh i i'm, I'm hoping that there'll be uh, a good sized revival right across australia eventually yeah and uh, see us um, turn back and start to ask ourselves some of the hard questions, you know. Mm. What are we here for? Why are we here? Why are we so blessed? What should we be doing? And um, they're not hard questions to answer mm. for a Christian anyway.
0: That's right. What would you like to be remembered by?
1: Um, I don't really want to be remembered by anything. I, I don't really care whether the people remember me or not particularly. <laughs> If, um, if someone in the future remembers that I had a small role in, a small role, and I stress that, in starting um, the Governor's Prayer Breakfast when it got going, uh, that would be nice, but there was the full gospel people, there were <clears throat> all the other people involved. Um, you know, I mean, I was so paranoid about someone trying to claim the Governor's Prayer Breakfast that I even made committee members Pay for their own meal ticket, so Great. I I always paid for my yeah. ticket, yeah, and I insisted the committee did the same, yeah. So if they wanted to come to the breakfast, they could do all the work, but they also had to pay. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. Um, other than that, I you know I I've got to the point in my life where where really uh, I regard life as temporal. I know it's temporal. Yeah. Anyone with half a brain can see it's a temporary arrangement. <laughs> and you're better off, particularly at my age, looking at where you're going to go rather than where you've been. That's beautiful.
0: Thank you so much for okay, my coming pleasure. Uh, into the studio and doing this. Uh, I value you immensely. I mean, to me, you're a pillar of strength in the city. Uh, to have you in my life means a lot. And just the fact that you allowed me to journey with you in a few dark moments meant a lot to me because I'm obviously a lot younger, and uh, I haven't got the life experience that you have. But just to, I mean, we're neighbours, we're 800 metres apart.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks for telling you. Look, I I, um, believe it or not, I have many, many weak spots, but I'm not going to tell you all what they are. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Ones that I hope people never find out. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, I'm happy with my lot. Uh, God's been good to me. Life's been good to me. Yeah. And um, I just wish Australia well and uh, hope that we get our act together soon enough. Amen. Thanks. Thanks.
0: What a beautiful story, eh, Dr. Kevin Minson. Um, if you're in Perth, I'm sure you would have heard of the name. And if you're elsewhere, just uh, listen to this amazing story because it will build you up and it will strengthen your walk with the Lord through the ups and downs of life. So the biggest challenges that you can face, both in health and losing a loved one, you can come through, just like Kevin did and Mark. And they still love the Lord, and they still pray for Australia, and they still have a heart for this land. Um, They believe that prayer is the source of it all. That's where it all starts, and especially government. And we have to. The Bible instructs us to pray for our politicians. So make sure that you pray for your leaders, because this is godly. Hope to see you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. It was a joy to have you here and to be with us. This is Nathaniel Kosti. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.